0: Welcome to Witch and Goddess. I'm your host, Patty Black. I'm a witch, a teacher, and priestess. Goddess devotion is an essential part of my craft, and many goddesses are my cohorts in magic. Each episode, we explore a different goddess, her lore, and how to connect with her energetically and magically. Welcome to another episode of Witch and Goddess. Thank you for listening, for sharing, and supporting this work and the Divine Feminine. Also, thanks and gratitude to the deities mentioned in this episode for lending their names, their myths, and their energy. I want to thank them for their lessons and presence, and ask them to use this channel to advance their great work. Content warning. This episode features several brief mentions of sexual assault in goddess lore and some of the feelings resulting from assault. Recently, I received a lovely email from a listener sharing about some of her recent goddess experiences, and I think many of us can relate to her story. She gave me permission to read her letter here, so here we go. I just started listening to your podcast this week and have been just eating it up. I would love to share my journey of how this podcast helped lead me to my goddess, Anya. I've only been studying the world of magic since last year. I'm a baby witch. It all started when I slowly started leaving the religion I had been raised in a couple years ago. Last year, I realized I deeply missed having a spiritual connection to something bigger than me and to a community of people who believed similarly to me. Tarot was something I felt strongly I should study, and over the course of last year, I did study it and began to be interested in other areas of magic. I was reading Inner Witch by Gabriella Hurstick, and it mentioned my cosmic team. My mind lingered on the word goddess i was raised in a religion that believed in one god his son and the holy ghost even as three separate beings but they were all men when members of my old religion ask about heavenly mother and why there's not more taught about her you're told she's too sacred to talk about more and more that's seeming like an excuse to me the patriarchy is strong in my former religion only men hold priesthood power And when women try to say that they want this power too, they're excommunicated. So you can see my initial wariness about goddess worship. But I was changing spiritually in a lot of other ways and decided I would open myself to everything. And anything that sticks and feels good can become a part of my belief system. I prayed to be led to my goddess. I realized I could have many in my cosmic team, but I really wanted to start working on one relationship with one goddess, if it was the will of the universe. Then bam! The very first goddess I read about gave me chills, and I connected to her immediately. The book went over goddesses in alphabetical order, so the first one I read about was Anya, the Irish goddess of love and fairies. I had Irish blood too, and I've been deeply drawn to the world of Fae since I was a child. I've had magical and spiritual experiences in Ireland and Scotland. She's said to be the sun and moon goddess, and I really resonated with that. And just like Anya, I had been sexually abused. It's something I repressed most of my life, but had been trying to work through over the past couple of years, semi-successfully. My intuition told me Anya would be able to help me with this. But I thought, I don't want to just choose the first one I read about. It couldn't be that easy, right? Right. I read about the rest of the goddesses in the book. I felt like I should ruminate and not pick anyone yet, especially since I wanted to be called and chosen. I was hungry for more, so I looked for a podcast I could listen to on my morning walks. Witch and goddess stuck out in my Spotify search. I've been listening all week and have felt so much spiritual light. I can't thank you enough for doing this podcast. I listened to the episode, Choose or Be Chosen, and was told through my intuition that it's okay for me to make the first move. Tarot cards I had pulled over the week when searching for my goddess told me to do research and take initiative, King of Swords. Emotional satisfaction and love are available for the taking, Ace of Cups. And finally, when I prayed specifically to Anya, not just a goddess, I received the lovers affirming my spiritual action. I felt so wanted and loved after drawing that card. And that is how your podcast led me to Anya. I couldn't have done it without you so again, I would love and appreciate a podcast episode about her. I want to buy more books on goddesses to learn more in general, but also more specifically about Anya, and I would love to hear what you have to say about her from your research. Thank you for being there for me and listening to my story. Love, Rayleigh. Thank you so much, Rayleigh. It's always good to know that your work is resonating with people, and I'm very happy for you initiating, a connection with goddess is so gratifying, and personally, I found goddess work to be a powerful catalyst for my craft. And I need to thank you for bringing Anya to my attention. When you mentioned her, I thought, okay, minor Irish goddess of healing, right? But no, I was so wrong. In fact, when I jumped into her lore, I found a bonus goddess. So consider this a witch and goddess twofer. Anya is considered one of the primary goddesses of ancient Ireland. And for your reference, her name is spelled A-I-N-E. As we dive in, note I'm attempting to correctly pronounce a variety of Irish names, two of them very similar, so please forgive any mistakes. Anya is a sunny solar goddess. Her name literally means brightness or radiant splendor. She's often shown with long copper hair, wearing yellow gowns decorated with stars. She's described as bright, radiant, fertile, a loving and benevolent goddess deeply connected to love and sexual desire. Anya can also take the form of an incredibly fast red mare and often roamed the countryside as this red horse, helping her people. Like many Celtic goddesses, she has deep connections to the land, a sacred relationship, The Irish knew very well that the land literally held and sustained them through animals and crops. And Anya was renowned as a loving protectress of animals and livestock. And as the goddess who protected and blessed the land and its inhabitants, she was sovereign. She had the right to legitimize a king or not. She's a bright and joyful sun goddess. And when I connect to her energy, I see a young woman with very long light copper hair, loose, dancing, almost bouncing with joy and excitement. I'm also shown owls and a brown rabbit. And also the stone bornite, also known as peacock ore, which is an opaque rough stone with an iridescent sheen. Not coincidentally, it's recognized as an uplifting stone of happiness, joy, and creativity. So, Anya's connected to two summer holidays, Midsummer, or Letha, and Lamas or Lunasa, which is celebrated around August 1st. She specifically celebrated the three days prior to Lunasa, or, in other areas, the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday after Lunasa. One legend says that she created grain by physically giving birth to it on Lunasa and presenting it to the Irish people. So she is the very source for their sustenance. For many centuries, it was traditional for Irish farmers to climb Anya's hill on Lunasa, descend with lit torches, and then wave them over their crops and cattle, in the hopes of receiving Anya's blessings and protection. Some even make the bold claim that the goddess predates Lou himself, and the festival and rites may have been dedicated to her originally. Modern tales focus on Anya more as a fairy queen than a goddess. Apparently, it was not uncommon for divine feminine figures to be relieved of the title goddess and reintroduced as possibly less serious and less powerful fairies, or even fairy queens. This is usually considered a result of Christianity becoming prominent. Of course, even as a goddess, she has magical qualities, so the fairy queen title, I think, is not so much a demotion, but more of a rebranding and refocusing on her fairy qualities and connections of which there are many. She's connected relationally to a few key figures of Irish magical mythology. Mananon Maclear, the Irish sea god, was a member of the ancient supernatural Irish tribe of the gods, Tua de Danan, and he's recorded in different tales as Anya's husband and at other times her father. She was also reported to be the daughter of the Dagda, another important god and member of the Tua de Danan there are no mentions of her mother. There's a ton of really rich mythology about the Tuatha Dé Danann, who were a very powerful and magical race in ancient Ireland. More than I can really get into here. But their role is often greatly simplified and diminished as that of um, the ancestors of the fairies. Another link to Anya and fairy lore is her seeming shadow twin, Aenea spelled A-Y-N-I-A. Bear with me as we discuss these two aspects and very similar names. Anya shares some striking similarities with this other Irish goddess, who's often referred to as the most powerful fairy in Ulster. Some sources seem to be withholding final judgment, but the two are often considered one and the same, or two sides of the same coin. Anya is usually considered solar, all light, radiance, and blessings, while Anya is a moon goddess connected to the sea, mental illness, and death. Where Anya is deeply connected and representative of the land of Ireland, the way it nourishes and supports the Irish people, Anya is like the sea. She's changeable, unpredictable, and must be treated with respect. Like her sonnier sister, she's also a healer, a master teacher of herbalism, and a patroness of healers. But her tales have a serious side. For instance, it was considered risky to operate on Anya's sacred days, the patient more vulnerable to death. And entering the sea around her holy days at Lunasa was avoided, because she's associated with drowning. Ania is mostly a neutral spirit, but one who's fiercely protective of her own realm. These two sides offer an apt illustration of balance. Anya is overwhelmingly described as all things light and good, so there must be a shadow side countering all of that. And as intense as Anya's positivity is, Anya seems as intensely foreboding, complicated, and even frightening at times. I know I'm always talking about shadow work, but you see this too, right? Anya seems like the perfect embodiment of Anya's shadow self. All of the traits that might diminish the light of the beloved sun and love goddess, or might be off-putting to people, divorced from her, and assigned to a separate figure. Everything I found online about Anya specifically is clearly lifted from either the Encyclopedia of Spirits by Judica Illis or a short paragraph on Wikipedia that's nestled within the Anya entry. Among the similarities are their sacred days, obviously the related names, and their strong connection to sacred sites around Ireland. In fact, it feels like the very rare reference to darker aspects of Anya may actually be about Anya. For example, in The Goddess Guide, Priestess Brandiosset writes of Anya, quote, As the Dark Maiden, she's vengeful when crossed. Is this a reference to her flip side, Anya? because nowhere else have I seen Anya called the Dark Maiden, or described in any way as dark. I'm kind of fascinated with Anya, and I'm on the lookout for more information on her. Back to Anya, she's often mentioned as a love and fertility divinity, well known as a goddess who attracts love, and is recognized for teaching humans the sacred nature of sex. She has multiple legends which relate to her lovers and how she chooses them. For her own pleasure, but two tales that are sometimes glossed over by romantic spin about being captured, are the stories of Anya's sexual assault by King Ailill or Gerald, the Earl of Desmond, or maybe both. In one legend, Ailill, King of Munster, goes to Knock Anya, Anya's sacred hill at Eve. According to the tale, when he arrived, Ailill became sleepy and fell into a trance and discovered Anya this is where we usually get the requisite line about how he was so enchanted by her beauty that he could not restrain himself blah blah bullshit i'm just going to use this opportunity to say that i'm not available for any more of that victim blaming rape justification bullshit. and as we take the rich important and valuable myths of goddesses into 2021 and beyond we need to be mindful that we don't bring this baggage along Anyway, he sexually assaulted her. After which, Anya bit his ear right the fuck off. Which is how he earned the moniker Alum, which means one-eared. So this is important. It demonstrates Anya's sovereignty. Ancient Irish law stated that only an unblemished person could rule. And by marking him, Anya made him unfit to be king. Queen move. Then we have the story of her marriage, to Gerald, the Earl of Desmond. Based on this story, it seems like we're playing fast and loose with the word marriage here, but okay. Marriage in many ancient cultures was a matter of possession and taking by force. In different versions of the story, Anya's marriage to Gerald is represented as a capture and kidnapping. And there are some versions which say that Anya captured him, while others say that Gerald discovered her bathing in a river and stole her magical cloak a fanciful way of communicating to us that he forcefully took something of great value to Anya and forced her into the marriage. Basically, marriage by rape. In some of these tales, Anya punishes Gerald by transforming him into a goose and or killing him. Good for her. True to her gift of fertility, she has many children, and she's credited with the birth of a magical fairy and human race, through one or more of her many human lovers. Many modern pagans and magical people who feel strong connections to the Fae consider Anya to be their original fairy ancestor. You know what I really love about her? She's known as an independent and sexual woman, choosing her own lovers and teaching them about the sacredness of sexual love. Not sex as a side dish to the main course of marriage or a long-term relationship, sex as the main course, sex and pleasure as a divine activity that's important and healthy. That alone is still kind of radical and feels really important to me. And she's a sexual assault survivor. She's both of these at the same time. As a survivor myself, I've often struggled with the idea that my sexuality was broken, that my sexual independence would forever be tainted by what others have done to my body. Anya stands as a whole person, a whole goddess, still a glorious representation of sexual love and sexual liberation. She's not tainted by the wrongdoing of others. She's not lessened by any experience. It's one thing to know that logically or to hear it from a therapist. It's a whole other level of healing, for me at least, to see it modeled by a powerful goddess. I mentioned that she's a healing goddess. In fact, she may regulate the vital spark of life from the sun, flowing through the blood. She practiced her healing arts at the sacred lake, Gur, specifically using the lake's enchanted waters and herbs and botanicals. Anya is still very much present in Ireland. There are many sites named for her. In particular, a hill called Knock Anya in Limerick is probably the most widely recognized as sacred to her. Anya is said to live in a beautiful castle on or within the hill to this day. If you're fortunate enough to make a pilgrimage to her lands, you may want to organize a whole tour because there's also a Knock Anya in County Derry and another in Donegal, not to mention a well named for her. So once again, among Anya's correspondences are solar magic, pleasure, poetry, passion, magical arts... Attracting love, healing, flowers, fertility, agriculture, the fae, sexual assault survival, sexual autonomy, herbalism, sovereignty, and personal power. Anya is connected to the moon, the sea, mental illness, the shadow, and death. If I were going to create an altar for Anya, I think I'd begin by representing both her bright solar aspect and her more shadowy lunar sea goddess side. Maybe a kind of dual altar with a solar side for Anya and a moon side for Anya. Of course, it's not necessary to include Anya. Remember, it's not really known whether or not they're connected. Items that could be used on the altar include red toy horses, fairy statues or figurines, images of the sun and moon, images of Ireland or her sacred sites, images of geese, mermaids, seashells, Items that represent sexuality and items that represent fertility. For offerings, I would start with any produce of fertile land, like grains, fruits, vegetables, flowers, cream, milk, wine, honey, or any beautiful items connected to Ireland. If you're specifically honoring Aenea, the shadowy side, offer salt water, sea glass, or anything connected to the ocean or the moon. Once you form a rapport with a deity, you get a better idea of what they appreciate and what they might specifically want from you. As this is recorded, the wheel is turning towards midsummer, which would be a great time to perform a get-to-know-you ritual and make offerings, or even devote an entire month to getting to know one or both of these goddesses. The lunar cycle offers ideal timing. Focus on Anya from the new moon to full and turn to Anya right after the full moon and until the dark moon. Survivors of assault and sexual trauma may want to work with Anya as part of a healing plan that also involves appropriate professional support. Once again, thank you to Rayleigh for sharing your story and for helping me to discover these amazing goddesses. If you'd like to work with me, you can find out about one-on-one sessions and my group courses at blackbirdmagic.com. That's magic with a CK. You can also connect with me on Instagram at witchandgoddesspod. I love emails and messages, so let me know about your goddess experiences at witchandgoddesspod at gmail.com or by leaving a recorded message on the Witch and Goddess page at anchor.fm. Just FYI, if you want me to respond to a recorded message on Anchor, you need to leave an email address. If you like the show, please subscribe and tell your coven. Sources for this episode are Encyclopedia of Spirits by Judica Illis, Gods and Goddesses of Ireland by Morgan Daimler, The New Book of Goddesses and Heroines by Patricia Monaghan, Find Your Goddess by Sky Alexander, and The Goddess Guide by Priestess Brandy Osset. As always, thank you for listening. May you realize the goddess within and express her without.